1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 6 through 13. I have applied all these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you. For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. We are held in honor, but we, but you are held in honor, but we in disrepute. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst. We are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless. And we labor, working with our hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and still are like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so Paul's coming in with some sauce on today's <laughs> reading. I know, I love it. I love the way you read it. You, yeah, you read that sarcasm sarcasm right into uh, into the passage. Yeah, you, you start to get some of the like apostolic frustration here. Um, yeah. And it, I don't know, it's really interesting, you know, and we won't dig too much into tomorrow's passage, but the next thing he says is, I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you. Yeah. And so... It's very clear what what's happening here is he's he's kind of bringing the the love of Christ backhand on yeah. him and, and exactly like there's some bite and some yeah yeah some sarcasm yeah and uh, steep correction in these words yeah which we actually see that in other places in scripture I think that's interesting that God Himself uses sarcasm yeah. many times so yeah uh, and Paul's you know very adept at many rhetorical devices but it is kind of like. These people are so puffed up. I mean, I think that's one of the points yep. Yep. that he kind of is a little more heavy handed here with the sarcasm, almost to like just to highlight how ridiculous it is, the the attitude and the position that they are coming in, you know, with their arguments. Uh, and it really does highlight it in the sarcasm. Yeah. And uh, to once again steal from uh, Tim Keller's Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, mm that puffed up language literally is an image of being swollen yes. and, and um you know it's less like a balloon and more like a a hammered thumb or something oh, like it, yeah. it's yeah it's like this grotesque obese like swollenness yes. uh, that he, so full of he's yourself. trying to smack yeah. right out of him <laughs> right, right. so yeah what are i mean what are your thoughts like is he being a jerk uh you know <laughs> what's what's going on with this like uh kind of flaunting their apostolic suffering while the Corinthians kind of have everything they want. Yeah, no, I mean, I think Paul is just, again, very adept at knowing his audience and arguing in a way that will get their attention. And he's highlighting just the ridiculousness of this. But also, I mean, again, people with a performance-based mindset actually do see themselves as worthy of being the judge. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the one of the great dangers of legalism or any kind of works righteousness is that um, 
you know, you can know the gospel, you can believe the gospel, but the really understanding and experiencing the grace of God is something different. And it really should take you down a notch. And I mean, I love this verse. I, I quote this to myself all the time. What do you, and to others, what do you have that you did not receive? I mean, there's nothing mm-hmm. that you have that you didn't receive. And most of all, um, that you actually know God. I mean, this God came to you. This is nothing that you've conjured in your own mind. So anyway, this should just take them all down. And I think this has been hugely um, convicting for me in my life. When you are a person who has a strong sense of justice, which my husband often calls me justice girl, and Hmm. um, like seeing right and wrong is like not hard for me, I guess. You know, I'm always like, oh, I know exactly what needs to be done here. Yeah, yeah. But that is just the first step. And that's Hmm. often the easiest. And I think sometimes that's just where we park as Christians. Like, oh, we know what's right and this is right and you're wrong. But praise God, he didn't stop there because he takes what's right and then he moves towards us in mercy and grace. And so that mm-hmm. is actually, you know, where we should be as mature Christians and where Paul is arguing from. So even though I can judge what's right and wrong based on God's word and having mm-hmm. the mind of Christ, that's the next step is what's important. And whether or not I'm myself sitting in that judge's seat and then executing judgment on people, that's where I've completely gone wrong. But if I myself, if I see myself in the, you know, down in the witness box with or in the defendant's box, I should say, mm-hmm. um, at the defendant's table with the person that I'm judging and I'm talking and speaking to them from a place of grace. Well, that's like completely different, even though I'm still coming with the right and wrong. So anyway, obviously this hasn't been happening and Paul is highlighting that for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I want to say this with a, a very clear sense of, of humility. Um, because nobody has messed this up more than me. Um, and, and I really mean that. I think what Paul's really getting after here, at least this is how I read it, um, is this sort of sense of armchair quarterbacking mm-hmm. or like backseat driving in mm-hmm. the church where, you know, Paul and his, uh, I guess, peers or colleagues, you know, who are other church leaders and preachers, he he's basically basically saying like they're pouring themselves out like wax and, and, um, you know, living this very like endangered and taxing life only to be sort of like disdained and, uh, you know, endure the commentary of people who are kind of sitting back as though it's some, you know, spectacle Mm -hmm. or he literally uses Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and not really getting down in the action, but then just like bringing all their, um, you know, in, infinite wisdom and evaluations right. Right. to the table. Right. And, you know, that's like a really convicting thing about how ministry and church drama happens these days is, you know, a lot of the times, like there's so many just like vastly complicated issues that come up in churches and ministries and whatever. Right. And um, a lot of times like the loudest voices of criticism are coming from people who are not very invested <laughs> in the actual solution <laughs> right, right. Or, or, you know, in um, the problem itself. And so I, I think some of this frustration is like, you are you are not treating this like a, a family matter. You're not, you know, part of the real like digging in the trenches. You're just kind of standing at the at the cliff of the trench like, 
telling all the diggers yeah how they're misdigging <laughs> and um yeah you know this is this is like a little note from what we'll get to further down in the book mm-hmm. um but in uh first corinthians 11 there's like this infamous head covering passage mm. And we won't like get super deep into that, mm-hmm. but you know, we both have read a book recently, misreading scripture through Western eyes. Mm-hmm. They talk about that in a really helpful way where basically, you know, um, head coverings in this culture, it was like woman, if you were in a venue that's like open to public gathering, mm-hmm. it was just like the societal norm to like have your head covered. And but if it was like this private sort of closed off group gathering in a home, then, you know, your head would be uncovered. Mm-hmm. And that was basically the Corinthian church was beginning to treat it more like this insider social club mm. rather than like this outward facing mission. And so yeah. they were beginning to treat it more like this at home social club mm. and click. Mm-hmm. And not like saying where they were living on mission. And so I think in the same spirit here, Paul is, you know, correcting them of this is a work that we are all involved in. It's not like this fantasy football thing where you choose your pastor. and like, Right. Right. Yeah. Like the best. I think also and you can see that really um, where he highlights just basically what the how upside down yeah. uh, the Christian life is in highlighting these um like when you mentioned the spectacle, it's like, what's the real spectacle? It was um, Christ lifted up on the cross. And that is what, you know, they, Paul and the other apostles, um, the spectacle of their life is that they're sentenced to death, becoming, you know, to the world, to the angels, to the men, the same spectacle that Christ himself was. And so it's this cruciform life, this death, mm-hmm. it's weakness, it's um, the fact that they would, um, when they're reviled, they would turn around and bless someone. That mm-hmm. when they're persecuted, they'll endure. When they're slandered, they'll entreat someone. They won't, um, you know, respond in anger, but they'll yeah. actually just beg people to come to Christ. I mean, we have. He says we have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. Which, again, in contrast to the sarcasm of being like, "You're kings, you're hmm. rich, we're scum," but actually, it is that um you know the trash of the world is the treasure of the kingdom i mean mm. they yeah they were living this cross marked life and they're pointing us to the fact that like if you really are a believer and you're in the game as you said and you're not just like up you know commenting from your lofty tower mm-hmm. then your life is going to be reflected in this w- this way as well and it's really going to it sets us up for the next passage where he kind of says like you're seeking a certain kind of power. You need to seek the right kind of power. It's yeah. the power of the cross. Yeah. Amen. Well, another great convicting, but simultaneously encouraging word from <laughs> first Corinthians. So let's be people of the kingdom and not backseat drivers. For Jennifer McClish, this is Will Carlisle. And we'll see you tomorrow as we finish first Corinthians four. Thanks for listening to our daily rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. 
If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.